This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, welcome in to the Stinky Truth Podcast. Mark Schler alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. Always tons of great NFL news. And, uh, you know, we're going to chop it up right now. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. Thank you so much for watching, listening, and, and however you consume us, whether on YouTube or whether on, uh, you know, whether on uh, Spotify or whatever else it is. We're, we're on all kinds of, there's all kinds of SoundCloud or Mark whatever. Mark Slareth, everybody, the king of media. Yeah, the king of, like, <laughs> I just know how to push the buttons to get it on. I don't know. After that, it's up to you guys. What, there is news. There is always news to, uh-huh. to talk about, but this is also the time. This is summer vacation. This is the time where NFL teams oh, worry. Like, right now, they're worried. They're worried? It's only a month, month and a half. Right, a month and a half for the idiots on your team because there's always five or six just complete and total imbeciles (laughs) that you're like, now all of a sudden I can't babysit those guys. I I can't watch those guys. I can't put somebody on. Like, there was always that guy, you know, the coach would come up to you and say, hey, man, uh, stink. Need you to take, uh, you know. Number 72. Yeah, Thunder Mc... Yeah, Thunder Mc... uh, Thunder McThunderstick or whatever. Buster McThunderstick. I need you to take him under his wing <laughs> because he's an idiot, you know. So you're like, all right, I'll watch over him, you know. Like, So there's always five or six guys that right now you are just praying, please don't let this idiot, you know, get himself into trouble because he's an important aspect or important part of our team. So you're saying for the next month and a half, GMs and coaches go to bed every night going, Please don't ring in the phone. Please phone yeah. don't ring in the middle of the night. Right. Please don't phone they ring in the middle of the right night. got it right by please. their bedside. They're like, please Lord, don't ring. Please don't please. ring. Right. Like, so yeah, there's always that. There's always that concern. There's there's the concern of the idiots, right? The guys that are going to go out and do something just absolutely just stupid. And then there's a couple of guys I think that you're probably concerned about that within six weeks, like, how did you pack on 27 pounds in six weeks? Like, how did you let that happen to uh-huh. yourself? Oh, I didn't have a gym. I got tired. I was, you know, I got stuck in a a 37-hour, you know, battle royale on whatever the video game of choice is today, and I never left my house, and all I did was eat donuts and ho-hos. And, <laughs> like, there's that guy, too. So, the like, coaches are very concerned about those two guys. Could you ever relax, you personally, could you ever relax for that month and a half that you had before camp? No, not really. Like, I pretended to be relaxed, Right up until about July 4th. <laughs> you know, and you're really? like, that's it, huh? July. Yeah. Well, because the whole time, you're just, you're 
you're working and you're trying to stay in, you're, you're staying in shape and you're working your butt off and you're doing all that stuff. But in the back of your mind, you're like, man, I got, you know, three more weeks of freedom. I got two more weeks. And then, and it's the, it's the task at hand. You know what a grind it is and you know how beat up you're going to be. And you know, um, it just how tough it is. And you know, we always used to sit there. I, I, the very first day of training camp, and we would be we. When I played here in Denver, we, we were up at Greeley, Colorado yep. College there, Northern Colorado. Yep. And so, you know, all the offensive linemen are the first guys in the facility, right? So we're all doing whatever it is we're doing. We take our time. You know, it's like you get a cup of coffee, you put a piece of tape on your finger, then you walk around, and you put it, you know, and you just <laughs> and everybody's miserable. Like you just. So we would all sit in the weight room. Greeley had this. They had built this new facility, like student facility, in a weight room, and then there was doors out to the field. So we'd all be sitting in all the offensive linemen. You bring your helmet. You bring your shoulder pads. Right. You'd have your pants on, your your shoes and everything. And then we're all taping wrists and taping fingers. You know, everybody tapes their own. And um, we'd all be looking around, and and inevitably somebody would say, "Well." Just remember it, boys, because this is the best you'll feel until, you know, February. This is the best you're going to feel. From this point forward, you're going to feel like absolute hammered shit. And, you know, and then you would just willingly go out there and beat the snot out of one another and out of yourself for the next six months. And it was was always that, that pit in your stomach, especially once... Fourth of July hit because you knew it was the countdown. You're like, oh shoot, we got three weeks. We got what? And you're just counting it down by the day. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was it, for me. It was a miserable existence. And then we went off to camp too. So you know, for a year of my life, I spent a year of my life in a dorm room during training camp. Yeah, yeah. Add it all up. Yeah. So it was after like after college for the next twelve years. My first couple of my first years in the league was five weeks training camp. We were there for my first year in in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, with Washington was five weeks, and then it was always four weeks. And then it, you know at the end it probably got to three and a half weeks. But you know you add it all up. I spent twelve months in a dorm room practicing football. Not exactly the fond memories most of us have of summer camp, huh? Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Different. Different, <laughs> different summer camp. Now, when it comes to that time spent between. Mini camps, OTAs, and the start of training camp. Uh, one thing you can count on: Russell Wilson is going to do Russell Wilson stuff. Even after Sean Payton came in and at his first press conference said, "We need more anonymous donors here right. in Denver, less promotion, self-promotion yeah. on social media." And it wasn't what a few days after breaking camp for the summer. That Russell Wilson's putting out a workout video. Right. He's doing some, some sort of, you know, slide thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's a, you know, speed skater. He's channeling his inner Apollo Ono or something like that. What was your reaction to it? I just was like, you know, this whole offseason has been such a treat because there's been <laughs> there's been nothing to – there's literally nothing to talk about. And everybody has fallen into the line. And you don't see the workout videos and just the preposterous stuff that – immature players have done for you know just look at me look at me i can dunk you know and it just me just gets to the point where 
you know, Sean Payton comes in, the adult in the room says, let's just go to work. Like, we're not going to win anything in the offseason. Let's not talk about how hard we're working. Let's just be about the work, and we'll prove come season time. And for Russell Wilson, I mean, he gets, you know, he gets out from under the thumb of Sean Payton for three days. It's like it's like Braveheart, right? You remember Braveheart when he's being tortured? Freedom! Like, he's just like, he cannot wait to start posting garbage on and you just talk about, and you just talk about the tone deaf nature of this toxic positivity. Look, look, and just this. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm sliding. I'm doing push-ups with a football in my hand. Ooh, and I just, I just, I think to myself, dude, you played. The worst football of your career, it was not only pathetic, it was embarrassing. And I have never, Mike, now I've been involved in the NFL 12 years as a player and like 22, 23 years as a broadcaster, okay? I have never seen a group of players take the opportunity to turn on one of its members and without mercy, crucify that guy publicly. Like kickers are making fun of him on team planes. That's a, like kickers. Kickers felt empowered to make fun of football players on the team pay, plane. Like I've never in my entire, it was, it was like Russell Wilson was a bag of chum and everybody else was a shark in the water. And they could not wait to go after this guy. Just could not wait to clown him. I mean, what does it tell you about where he is, how people feel about him? And then the fact that you post that video, the tone deafness that you have about your own situation. It's it's just, look, on the surface, it's just a silly workout video, right? You see a million of these. But you're a quarterback. It's all about decision-making, right? Mm -hmm. And what does it say about your decision-making that, Coming off a year in which you play terrible football and were mocked for a lot of these social media posts, that you go right back and do another one. Doesn't that kind of question again, whether or not he really you, understands right. as soon as what's you, out there? The, as soon as you get away from the watchful eye of the organization that's asked you not to do it. Right. You can't wait to post something. I mean, it is it is absolutely mind-boggling to me that this is where you are. And, and, and you and I have talked about, I don't know if I've talked about this on this podcast, but I did a Broncos game during the season. So I'm at the facility, and the Broncos are, are playing horrible football. It's horrible. And, you know, all, obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, who's a, who's a friend, a good friend, like overwhelmed, over, you know, over his skis, um, the whole organization was. They hired a bunch of first-time coaches to be first-time coordinators, first-time O-line coaches, first-time whatever. And it was an abject disaster, Mike. There's just no getting around it. It was it was horrible. And Russell had said something after another loss where they, you know, hung a, a, a dramatic 12 points on the scoreboard or whatever it was, nine points, you know. Um, came out and basically said, hey, man, we have to be better as an offense. I have to be better. So I thought, what, what what an opening for me, right? As a broadcaster, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to get – here's my list of things I have to be better at. 
you know, and then you bring that to the broadcast and say, at least you're aware. You've got some self-awareness. So I sit down with Russell, and one of the first questions I ask him is, all right, you said it. Here's the quote. You know, we da 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 have to be better as an offense, and I have to be better. So I say, Russ, what do you have to be better at? And he paused, and they said, hey, you know, red zone-wise, we, we have to score more points. And, we, and I said, whoa, 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 It's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you what we need to be better at. What do you, you need to be better at? Give me, and he could not answer the question. He skated around. I probably asked it three times, and he couldn't tell me a specific. Like, you want to talk about tone deafness. I could tell you right now the things that I needed to be better. Like right now, I can go back to the recesses of my mind and tell you. Show me a show me a, a year I played. I go, man, I was really working on that. Or I really needed to be yeah. better at this. I really needed to do this better. You you can't you can't come up with. And is that because you don't know, or is that because you don't want to give any inclination that you've lost confidence or you don't want, you, you don't want to step out of your toxic positivity. Like uh, everything is great and we just got to keep believing. And I just got to keep working, believe, 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 you know, and all the, I don't like, it was just, it was frustrating. Do you think he recognizes that he's at a crossroads of his career? No, I don't. I think, I, I think you would, I think it's almost impossible not to recognize you're at a crossroads, but I don't think he believes he is. Because I, I think it's going to be one of those things, Mike, that he he won't know until it actually happens. Like you won't know. Like he'll be just motoring along, his going his merry way, and all of a sudden, if like if he doesn't play good this year, and I mean really good this year, I believe the Broncos will cut bait. I believe this new ownership group will say, that's it. We got our coach. We know the coach is right. We know the coach knows what he's doing. This guy has lost it. And even then he might not get it. I don't think he'll really get it until he becomes one of those Andy Dalton types, the Marcus Mariota types, that, hey, you come in and you get to play for six games until we get the rookie ready. Mm-hmm. You become Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. And hope you don't get your lung nicked. Yeah. To allow I, Justin I, Herbert to right. start. I think that's I think he won't really realize it until that point. I still think he believes he's gonna play another nine years and go to multiple Super Bowls and Well, and that's fine that you believe you can do that. Right. But you better understand the pressure's on. You you have to deliver. And if you don't recognize how bad you were last year, right. and again you show some of that tone deafness. Then See, you got to question whether or not he understands the yeah. severity of this season, the importance right. of this season. Here's the, here's the problem for a guy like me, right? You can sit there and you can say, well, the coaching wasn't appropriate and the system wasn't – it didn't mesh well with what I do and with what, you know, Nathaniel Hackett wanted to do. And we had a bunch of, you know, amateur coaches or guys who were put in a position to be kind of over their skis and, and didn't really know what they were doing at that position. They've never given play calling duties and never given that, that opportunity to run their own room. And that, 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 that you could sit there and make all those excuses in the world and you can justify you not playing well based on those decisions. So my issue with Russell is have you actually truly taken responsibility for what an abject disaster last year was? 
and your part in that abject disaster? I don't know. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, we just came off the the part of the season in which everything is awesome, mm-hmm. and all the rookie quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, yeah. Anthony Richardson, just glowing reports about how hard they're working, how quickly they're picking yeah, things sure. up. Mm-hmm. Where are you at with rookie quarterbacks and what realistic expectations people should have? Have we gotten to a point where you expect more from rookie quarterbacks or less? Yeah, from rookie quarterbacks. I think we've gotten to a point where we expect more quickly from young quarterbacks because we've seen it. You know, we've seen guys come in here and play like Deshaun Watson playing pretty well early. We've seen Justin Herbert just light the league up early. We saw – Trevor Lawrence in his second year really play, really start to figure it out and play well. And mm-hmm. we give him a hall pass for his first year because Urban Meyer was the coach, right? So we, we've seen this, this quick transition or this quick progression, if you will. Um, and I think, I think there are some schemes that have infiltrated the NFL game. Well, I know there's a bunch of schemes that have infiltrated the NFL game um, from the college game that make it quite a bit easier. So, you know, for instance, anytime you're running an RPO, um, hey, think about think about this. So you're running an RPO to a single receiver side, side, and they're running what we call, they call it glance. So it's a five-step slant. And all you're really, all you're really doing is, is the quarterback, if – you're in some type of base front, you're flagging that ball, and you're looking at that linebacker on that side. If that linebacker steps up to play the run, you throw the glance. It's one. It's a one route. That's all it is. It, what you're doing is you're reading between, instead of multiple receivers in the passing game, you know, you're not going from one to two to three. You're saying, if the linebacker steps up, I throw the glance. If the linebacker drops back, I hand the ball off. So there's still an element of having to read the mm-hmm. defense, but it's it's one receiver route, and it's based on that guy, you know. And if you're if you're in, you know, if you're in that situation, that's that's kind of where you're going. Um, and then it can change based on the you know it can be if you're in a two high safety and one safety comes down on that side, then you're reading the safety. If he sucks up, we throw it. If not, we hand. It. But whatever it is. Like, that's all you're really doing. So some of that, with the athleticism of the, mm-hmm. the run game and, and, you know, the quarterback run game and stuff, some of that has made that transition. I believe it's made it a little bit easier. So at least the quarterbacks can make a contribution to your football team right. while they're still learning to play quarterback. Right, and they can come in and they can come in and they can do stuff they have done in their college right. career that they've been successful with. Um, that said... I just think it becomes to really be great. You have to have the entirety of the package, and you've got to be able to, you know, read out a defense and and know where you want to go with the ball, and um, and and you have to just be able to manage everything. And there's a lot, and I really feel like like Justin Herbert, like talking to him and talking to some of his coaches. Um, I think one of the things that has made his transition so 
like so incredible from a number standpoint. Now they are the Chargers, so you know the Chargers are going to they'll find a way to go for some ridiculous no, fourth down. Chargers are going to charge her. Sure, they'll find a way to lose games. That's what they do in in you know Charger land. <laughs> but I think Justin Herbert has done an amazing job, a remarkable job, and something that we can all learn how to simplify things in his own mind, like. Hey, if this guy does this, I'm throwing it here. If this guy does that, I'm throwing it here. And just adhering to that simplified formula, I think he's and I think his coaches. I think Shane Steichen, when he was first with Shane, who went to Philadelphia and really turned uh, Hurts around, and now he's the head coach in Indianapolis. I think he, you know, really helped him understand that game at a more simplistic level, and. Justin's been able to take that and and make the game easy for himself that way. Let's talk about your favorite subject. Okay, me? No. Oh. Wide receivers. Okay, my my second favorite subject. Second favorite. Mark loves talking about wide receivers. He has such respect for them Mm -hmm. as football players. Uh, We talked about Stephon Diggs last week Mm -hmm. going uh, AWOL from the Bills for a little bit. He was out because he had hurt feelings. Well, so he had to he had to miss some minicamp with hurt feelings. So now there are reports that he would like an active role in play calling. Oh my gosh, in play calling, play calling, game planning, and play calling. Right? Yeah, needs an active role in that. Yeah. A say, right? Input, lend his expertise. Right, exactly. <laughs> now here's the play I want to run. I want to run that one play where I run wide open and you throw me the ball. Let's run that play. Let's run that. Let's play. run that play. Um. Yeah, that's uh, that's you know what that one's easy for me. If I'm Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, I'm like absolutely. You know what I think, Stephon? I think that's a great idea. I think that is a great idea. And so then he, you know, puffs up with pride, and yeah. he's like, "Yes, this is great. Right. I'm being this heard. Is, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm going to need you in at 4:30 every morning." So that we can put the game plan together, we can put that thing in together. <laughs> so you can really be a part of the process, and you can really lend your, you know, your expertise to this as we're installing from four thirty to nine, and then we'll start the nine o'clock meetings. Yeah, this is the same guy that there have been many, many reports that in his time in Minnesota, you had to go drag him out of bed and get him to the facility. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn there. Yeah, two days of him showing up at 5 a.m., they'd be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe my input on game planning isn't that important. Okay, but at the risk of you, I should move over here a little bit. At the risk of you reaching over and throttling me, Uh don't you want your best offensive players to be able to contribute? To a game plan? After all, they're the ones out there. They're the ones that see what they see. They're the ones that see how defenders are playing them, corners are playing them, how secondaries are playing them, all right. that. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want their input? Yeah, during a game, if you're getting a certain type of leverage on a certain play out of a certain formation. So I, I had this, this conversation with Aaron Rodgers about Devontae Adams. And Devontae looks at the game like a quarterback or like a great golfer. You ever been around great golfers? You, you might be this way 
where they can go back throughout the golf course. Go remember twelve? It was that dog leg right, and you got to lay up. All oh that. yeah, pros can do that all the time. Dude, it's like, all sixty-seven of their shots. Right. They know they remember all of them. Yeah, and they it just it, like a photographic yeah. memory of yeah, what they were thinking me. about the time. Not I'm me. I'm not I'm not wired that way. But like Aaron told me, listen, Devonte Adams will come back to the huddle and say, "Hey, man, when we we're in that." Trips right nasty formation, and you know, and and um, I'm the you know I'm the slot receiver in that. Um, their nickel guy was playing me, was playing me with you know, whatever. Let's let's call it inside leverage, and the safety was rolling down over the top. So if we get that formation again, and we call that play again, instead of running, you know, instead of running that out, like where that safety's rolling down and they're kind of bracketing me inside out, high low inside out. I'm going to I'm going to stab like I'm hitting that out and I'm going to I'm going to wheel it back like almost a stick china or I'm going to come back inside and I'm going to beat that guy leverage and then to get me because you know they're playing too high safety and I'll have a wide open down the like he said he'll come to me and say hey if we get that again and then I'll call it and it'll be a quarter quarter and a half later and we'll get into that formation he'll look at me and go and give me a nod, like, "Hey, they're in the same thing." And it's, nothing wrong with that. that. No, that's that's like that is a player being intelligent and reading what the defense is doing. But you know, to sit there and say, "Hey, man, I want to be involved in the game plan," and give me a just stop it, <laughs> just stop it. I dude. figured nobody. Wants I figured you either laugh derisively about it yeah. or you'd swear. So I'm I'm, I'm glad right. we just got the uh, the laugh. Meanwhile, DeAndre Hopkins is still out there. Yeah. There was a lot of momentum with his visit to New England. He posed for a picture with Matthew Judon, leading a lot of Patriot fans to think, hey, he's going to come here. Made, you know, Supposedly made up with Bill O'Brien, no issues there, everything's hunky-dory, but he left New England without a deal. What does that tell you? I just think that, like DeAndre Hopkins won, do you really want to go to training camp? Okay. Do you want to slow play it a little bit and come in toward the last week or so of training camp? Just keep yourself in shape. Right. Keep you ready to roll. Um, and then the other thing I would think if I was D-Hop is where can I get a ring? Like what gives me legitimately the best chance to get a ring? You think that's what fuels him? I think there's I think there's an aspect. I mean, I think the guy's obviously made a ton of money. He's been one of the best in the league to do it. He's a really good player. But – Hey man, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bust my ass late in my career, let's where can I go and have an opportunity to be with a legit big time quarterback, a team that really needs a legit big time receiver, where we have a chance to win. So I, I would think, and who knows? I mean, I don't know DeAndre well, but. You know, is it is it that, or is it that we have a big time chance to win, and I get to be a big time? piece of that puzzle what does it say about the new england patriots that they had hopkins d hop there for a couple days they're clearly interested Mm -hmm. and they couldn't close the deal are the patriots that far off the radar now have they fallen that far from their mighty perch are they now just it's just another team it's one thing just another team it's one thing to be to go to the Patriots and be coached hard and know that there's 
like know that there's a standard and know that like what you're getting yourself into with Bill Belichick and the way that coaching staff operates and the way they grind you when Brady's there and you got a chance to win a championship. Mm -hmm. It's a whole nother it's a whole nother animal when Brady's gone and you're like Oh, you know, what are the odds of actually yeah. winning something? Do here? I want to sign up for all this to go eight and nine? Right, yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So I think you're I think you're digging in deeper and looking at you know, looking at where is the where is the best place to go to where I can be D hop and I can be a focal point of the offense and yet we can still have an opportunity to win. Bill Belichick at a crossroads? We were talking about crossroads earlier with Russell Wilson. Is yeah. it is it a stretch to say that Bill Belichick has arrived at a coaching crossroads? Well, listen, if you hang around the NFL long enough, eventually <laughs> you'll hit a crossroad. And remember, that whole this whole last offseason was there was talk about what moving Mac Jones and mm -hmm. is Mac Jones truly the guy and blah 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 blah. And so yeah, you know, I mean, this this is a league of a. It's not a try hard. It's not what have you. What did you do me for me yesterday? It's a do good and what are you doing right now? And uh, I think that Bill has plenty of cachet to continue to coach his team for another two or three years. But eventually, if they don't make a playoff run, and they last year not last year they didn't, but the year before Max rookie year they they went to the playoffs. So. I think he's still got some credits built up, mm. but it it'll start to, you know how it is with this league. Hey. Even, hey, even the unfireable greatest coach mastermind Mike Shanahan eventually got fired. Bold take: If they miss the playoffs and finish last in the in the AFC East, year from now, I don't think Bill Belichick's coaching the Patriots. That is that is bold. I'll I'll bet you a coffee bet on that. All right. The coffee bet. You got it. All right. For everybody involved in the Sink Truth Podcast, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, appreciate you sharing, um, downloading, uh, doing all the things that you do, whatever it is. Do you download it? We we finish like we started. Yeah, sharing it, like a <laughs> click a subscribe button. I don't have the button on there, but you could find you it. You know what to do. You guys know, you know more what than to do. I do. You don't, know that. Yeah, you know what you're doing. Stop acting don't like it's tough. Listen to him. Just you know do, what you're doing. Do, do the right thing. Do, <laughs> do the, the right, right thing. thing. We'll be back with you later on in the week.